Hello and welcome to the Anita Po Show and the Bitcoin for Fairness series, where we talk about the role Bitcoin plays in enabling economic empowerment for individuals and communities by providing fair and open access to a global financial network. Thanks for supporting my work. Go out to the Human Rights Foundation, which is uniting the world to stand against tyranny. Paxful, the peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin exchange. Ledin.io, financial services for hodlers of digital assets. And OKCoin, the globally licensed cryptocurrency exchange. If you want to learn more about Bitcoin, go and buy my book. It's one of the best, if not the best book to understand not only the question of why the world needs Bitcoin, but also how you can use it to send, receive and safely store your Bitcoin. You can find it at learnbitcoin.link. And now on to the show. So hello everyone. Hello Obi. Hello Pete. Thanks for being on the Anita Po show and great seeing you here in Riga. Hello Anita. Nice to see you again. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. So we are going to talk about Fedi today, Fedi and Fedi Mint. Fedi is a new wallet that allows uh, for a different sort of custody of Bitcoin. Um, and before we talk about that, please introduce yourself. May I start with you, Obi? Um, I know you. I met you the first time on a flight to El Salvador. Yes, on a... On a Mainly German flight, it seems. <laughs> I, was, I was one of the few non-Germans there, but it was, uh, uh, we almost took over the plane. But um, so background, um, I'm one of the co-founders of Fedi, which is making a, a wallet, but also beyond that, a, a form of, of educational platform to get as many people using Bitcoin and empowering their communities to achieve the tasks that they want to achieve in, a, in a, a better, more profitable way for them. And it's powered by this incredible technology called Fedimint, which I was fortunate enough to meet the inventor of um, a, nearly a year ago. Um, but as background, I've been in the Bitcoin space since 2013, full-time, uh, running a, a Bitcoin exchange, which I sold last year in 2021. And I first came to Bitcoin in 2011. Pete? Okay. Um, so my background is probably more in complex project delivery, which is what I've been doing for many years, um, in multiple countries around the world, uh, in many different industries. Um, so I guess about six months ago, I made the decision that it would be immoral of me not to work full-time on Bitcoin. I think it's probably <laughs> the most important thing that needs to be done right now and with like a passion for hyper bitcoinization um i've been quite taken with bitcoin for a number of years <laughs> maybe to a slightly unhealthy level and i felt that the best thing i could do was to drop out start providing some open source contributions and then see where that that led me that led me to fedimint and then since then an offer to join fedi as a product lead which two days ago I think. <laughs> oh congrats <laughs> yesterday <laughs> was your official first day yesterday yes okay. hard to know Uh, which is September, which is September 1st, just for the benefits of the audience. 
<laughs> cool. So, um, Obi, tell us a little bit about um, your experiences um, with your exchange about self-custody. And, I mean, you were running a centralized exchange where yeah. people don't have the keys. So, what are the problems or have been the problems and what led you then to, to Fedimint? Yeah. So, for my sins, I, I ran a, a centralized exchange. So, like a, a Coinbase or Kraken, it was called CoinFloor. And we ran it from 2013 until 2021, so eight years. Um, when we launched it, the idea was to give people a way of easily moving from sort of regulated money, i.e. pounds in our case, because it was based in the UK, to this regulation-free freedom money in the, in the form of Bitcoin. Um, but as time went by and increasing regulation, What I realized is that um, what we were doing was getting people to transform their money from regulation-free to re regulated to regulation-free, but then they were storing it on this regulated platform, this regulated custodian, which seemed a little bit ironic, to say the least. So we as, were one of the few exchanges that remained focused on being Bitcoin-only. Um, we put a lot of effort in educating our customers to self-custody. Uh, we tried really, really hard, but after a number of years, we realized that for most people, it was a bridge too far. Um, and there were three main reasons. Uh, and just to be clear, self-custody, if you can do it, is absolutely the best form of custody you can. But one, there was, especially when you think in this global context, there was a cost overhead for many people to do it properly. Um, And so for many people, they just felt uncomfortable with the cost. There was a technical overhead as well for many people that even if they were comfortable with the cost, the, the technical um, complexity of being able to get this hardware wallet and so on and use it for many people was a stumbling block. Um, and the third reason was just the fear, you know, especially the fear of how do I handle my backup or my 24 words. I've, I've, through my entire life, have given responsibility of custody to someone else. And again, that was a hurdle. And for those three reasons, um, 90 to 95% of people, for whatever reason, weren't willing to self-custody. And so it was from there that in the last few years, it became clear to me that we had to um, get people off exchanges, especially as we saw increasing regulation. And we continue to see... Um, increasing transgressions, i.e. where um, people running exchanges would um, not serve their customers because they were these anonymous people who they didn't even know. Um, they would tend to, they, not all of course, but many would run off of their customers' money or they would end up gambling their customers' money or lending it to other people who gamble the money. We've seen recent activity in that area. And for all these reasons, we were looking for a solution. And a year ago, um, at an event called Hackers Congress in Prague, I met my um, now co-founder, Eric Syrian, and that's where he introduced me to Fediment. In his mind, it was this really incredible technology uh, for privacy. But when I saw it, I realized it was the solution um, to a whole new form of community custody where a community would come together 
to elect the most trustworthy, honorable members of the community to custody the Bitcoin, Bitcoin or other assets on behalf of the community. And that was something that was very new. The closest we ever saw that to that was um, um, Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador. Yes, which is also a great solution, but I think it's very uh, hard to to run one of these or be one of these people who holds the keys for the others, right? Mm -hmm. Can you talk about this a little bit, Pete? Yeah, sure. So maybe I guess this gets to the point of you know like what is a a fediment, for instance. So and the it's maybe the technical answer to that is that it's a an open source protocol for community custody with strong privacy guarantees. But what that maybe means in more humane language is it's the opportunity to be your mum's bank or to be your friend's bank or to be your community's bank. And I think maybe that's what differentiates the, the Fediment software stack from some others is that it's kind of community first in its approach. The assumption is that not everybody will own their own UTXOs at some point in the future, just from a kind of scaling perspective of the amount of space on the blockchain, we know that at some point we will want to share UTXOs. So this provides uh, an opportunity for people to, to share that in a community context. So. Yeah, excuse me. I think the Lightning Network is for many people a solution to the problem of scalability, but it doesn't scale to like 5 billion people, right? Yeah. Um, so on the Lightning Network, you're right, it's It's something that allows you to scale Bitcoin um, to a much greater extent than you can do um, on-chain. So by on-chain, I mean use Bitcoin directly to send value from one person to another. With the Lightning Network, you could potentially have millions, maybe tens of millions of users directly transferring value between themselves at incredible speed at very low cost, which is great. That's a massive advance of what we can do on chain. However, um, there are billions of people on the planet, not tens of millions. And so if you want the Lightning Network to be able to support the entire world, logically, you're going to have to group people up. And the, the logical unit for that is the community, because there are tens of millions of communities around the world. So you could see a future where these communities effectively connect to the Lightning Network directly and they transfer value between them. Now, a few people could be um, wealthy enough and technically advanced enough to be able to um, self-custody and use the Lightning Network directly, but most will, will, will operate in communities or in groups. So it's similar in concept to imagine you have this sort of, uh, this is an example actually that Pete mentions a lot. You have this sort of grid of, of roads connecting different cities together. And then a city has a number of people within the city. But the, the main roads that connect them could be considered the lightning network. But within the city and the internal roads, that's within a community. And that would be the equivalent of a Fedimint Federation. Um, this community wallet transfers between people within the community don't happen on the lightning network. They happen directly from one person to another. And that, in that way, the fediment world that we, we uh, foresee effectively acts as a layer three on top of the Lightning Network, which is a layer two on top of the Bitcoin Network. In combination, that takes you to billions of users worldwide transacting 
near instantly at very low cost, but still powered by and, and protected by the Bitcoin layer at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how does this work? I mean, how does Bitcoin get into a federation? Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it's it would help for for people to visualize. Well, what what happens at the setup of a a federation, sort of physically in the space? So, if you could imagine within a community, there there's always different levels of ability for different people and different interests and motivations. For you know, some people might be more technical than other people. Other people might not. Um, and so what you often find is that there's, there's people that provide services for others. So when we, we talk about um, Fedimints, one of the first things we talk about is the guardians of the Fedimint. And so usually this would be the, let's say, three, five, seven people that might be running the, the federated multi-sig of a, a Fedimint. So what that means is that they hold Bitcoin keys that hold the Bitcoin that is on chain that's represented inside of Fedimint. And the way that they would do this is the question is, okay, well, how technical might you need to be to be a guardian? So the goal of Fediment is to create a very simple mm. technical stack on a very lightweight compute infrastructure that can run hands off. So I guess if there's some um, Bitcoiners in the audience, there's over the last few years, we've all been running a lot of our own nodes. There's been a lot of popular node packages that have come out. A lot of the complexity in those node packages came around the, the layering on of the Lightning Network over the top of Bitcoin D or, you know, Electrum servers for querying things locally. Um, we don't require that inside of Fediment. It's, it's Bitcoin and it's Fediment software. So it simplifies the stack somewhat to make it easier to automate. Now, Fediment does integrate with Lightning. So now the question becomes, okay, well, where's the Lightning node? So we actually then separate out the, the function of, of Lightning network operation into what we call Lightning gateways. So the Lightning Gateways are a kind of, I describe it as like a loosely coupled system inside the Federation. So the way I like to describe this is you've got any user inside this Federation can integrate with the wider Bitcoin ecosystem by running this Lightning Network Gateway. And the way they do that is they will simply accept the payments inside the Federation and use them to pay a Lightning invoice from their own node. So they then share their node amongst the community so now for a community to, to come on board and have access to Lightning, all that's actually required is for one member of the community to be able to provide that service back into the rest of the family. Okay, so, so you can have several guardians, like three, four, five, who have the multisig, mm -hmm. but one of them, there's only one who needs to have a Lightning node or Bitcoin or it and Lightning need, node. It doesn't need to be a guardian either. Yep. So, mm -hmm. you have, so you have a user who's, who's a member of the community. So you've got a community, let's say a village, and it's, there are a thousand people in the village and they've, they meet to, in the town hall and they decide, you know what, we're going to um, set up a Fedimint federation and we'll all be members or users of this federation. They decide between them, however they decide that they're going to choose 10 individuals who are the most trusted and honorable in the, in the community and and they know who that is because they've they've lived their lives with each other and they've they figured out the people are the most helpful the most honorable in that community and those people um each download the fediment um software on a computer click run and there's a little bit of they have to put in the addresses of the ip addresses or or the or the um 
public keys, as it were, on your, your, the, almost like a Bitcoin address, of each of the other guardians into their own um, Fediment server. And then Fediment is running, it connects all to the others, and it forms a federation. Once it's formed a federation, it creates a multi-signature uh, wallet, a Bitcoin wallet that can send and send, be sent money from anywhere and send out money, but only if a majority of those um, guardians agree. It also creates um, this privacy-preserving um, system that's called Chami and eCash, which is the money that's going to be used within the federation. So anyone within the village to, to send money to between each other would use this Chami and eCash. And there's a one-to-one for every Bitcoin that comes in, there'll be one Bitcoin's worth of Chamin eCash sent. Any eCash sent out, the same, the same amount will be sent out of the system. But it also creates this, effectively, this mechanism to communicate with any form of lightning node or gateway that's, uh, uh, that's accessing the, the lightning network to, to be able to connect with and communicate with anyone within the federation as well. And mm-hmm. sorry, you have a question. Yeah, right? the question is the the person who's running the lightning node does this have to be can this be in another part that, of the that world? That can be that can be anyone because uh-huh. all all the federation is doing is That's providing great. the the tools for someone with the the mechanism for someone within the the village to communicate with anyone running the lightning node. And this anyone running the lightning node also needs to be a trusted person? Or if no. this person just cuts off the lightning node, everything is gone or not? If, if the person did tr- cut off the lightning node, anybody else inside the Federation could also set up another lightning node. The, I mean, the systems we're looking at is to have redundancy in the lightning nodes as well. So there's already with multiple on a Federation and then all competing for basically the economic density of that Federation. The lightning node. In, Go on. So I was going to say in terms of the like the way it works is you could almost imagine the lightning node is somebody that has, like say, two bags of money. And one bag of money, I can pay anybody in the world over the Bitcoin network. And the other bag of money is good for redemptions inside this community. And the way the, the integration works is that I will, as the lightning network operator, accept the local currency here to pay the worldwide currency over here. And they just happen to be denominated all in Bitcoin. So I, it's, I will do it for a very small fee because I'm not taking on currency risk. In there. But it's very much like a swap. And, and that's, uh, but the, the, the reason why someone will do this, this is what's really exciting, is they, they don't need to have the same trust um, 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 elements or, or focus that a, a guardian of the network does because um, the user doesn't need to trust them. Fundamentally, they will pay them a small fee uh, as, uh, to, to transact a transaction but there's no way that the, guard, the, the Lightning node operator can lock up funds of the user. And actually, in, in a way, it's, it's better from a user's per, um, perspective than connecting to, um, to, to a, someone else on a Lightning network because they don't need to lock up actual Bitcoin on the Lightning network, and therefore they can connect to multiple Lightning node operators in parallel. If one, for some reason, goes down, they can immediately switch over to another, which gives them a much more reliable experience. And ultimately and eventually, um, the Fedi app that we're producing will handle that automatically for them. 
It's called, uh, in sort of web serving terms, um, it's called load balancing. But you can now load balance between these because you're not locking up capital. So it's costless to have three or four. And, you, and from your point of view, you make the payment. You don't need to know that it's just switched across to someone else. Sounds cool, yeah. And um, the guardians, um, can they see transactions? No. So this is the, I guess, the, the Chami and eCash model. Um, it uses blind signatures to issue the tokens, which um, I think Obi talked about this analogy quite a bit, I quite like, which is the, okay. the entering the, the fairground analogy. Yeah. So you can imagine you go to a fairground as a kid and maybe there's internally you have tokens to get on the rides. So as you go into the fairground, the first thing you do is you purchase enough tokens for the number of rides that you think you're going to go on. And those tokens, let's say at the end of it, in this fairground, you can exchange the tokens back for cash after you're done, if you've got any left over. They're quite honest about that. So as I enter the fairground, I put my cash in, I get my tokens, and inside the fairground, I just transact in the tokens. And this is kind of what's going on with eCash. And the difference with the blind signed version of the, um, the eCash analogy here is if imagine I went up to the, to the token seller and I said, okay, here's my $10. And instead of them looking me in the face through the window, we just completely black out the window and they can't see me at all because there's a board in front of me. So now all they know is that they got $10 in and they gave out $10 of tokens. Now when I go into the, into the fairground and use those tokens, they don't know which tokens are my tokens and which tokens are somebody else's. I could exchange them, I could give them to somebody else. Maybe one of the ride operators now on leaving the fairground swaps those tokens for the cash. Let the person again at that transaction point All the, um, all the vendor there would see is, okay, well, I've got the tokens back in. These are legitimate tokens. They're signed correctly. They follow the right sort of standard. I will exchange those back for the cash. So you end up with this system of the, the operator of the, like the token cash exchange there can constantly swap out cash and tokens, but they have no idea who the other person is on the other end of that. Or how many people as well, because yes. it could be the same person. Yeah. Or it could be, or it could be, even if they um, had 10 swaps, for mm. example, from cash to um, tokens, and at the end they got 10 back, they cannot assume those 10 could be the same person, or they could be 10 different people, but then those 10 different people could have given the tokens to another 100 different people. They won't know once you have the tokens, it's what's known as a bearer instrument. So you could send it to, you could split it up uh, if you had, um, you had a, you did a foot one swap and you gave them $10 and got back one, 10 $1 um, tokens. You could have immediately given those to your family and friends and then they go off and use the rights. The person in the kiosk has no knowledge of how it's being used and how it's being split up. So it could represent 100 people or one person. And I guess also the, person or whoever is running the lightning node can't um, analyze transactions? So um, they, are, they are more limited than they are on lightning, but um, so they won't know from within, within the, within the um, um, federation who is doing what as well. Um, is there, there are issues that go out the scope of a federation and within the scope of lightning in terms of more ability to be able to see what happens on a transaction on the Lightning Network. Mm -hmm. But again, they're helped significantly by the use of federations. But that's, that's a Lightning issue as opposed to a federation issue. But again, 
Yeah, I was, I was thinking it might be useful to think. So if we look at who knows what, you know, if I'm a guardian, what I know about this federation is I know how many Bitcoin we've got in the multisig, and I know like what the outstanding liabilities are of the tokens that we've issued. I just don't know who's holding those liabilities and in what numbers. So I don't see that. If I'm a Lightning Network provider and I receive eCash, I don't know where that eCash has come from. But what I do know is that it's, I'm using this eCash to pay this invoice. And so if this invoice is going to a particular shop, maybe I can figure out I'm buying a $5 hat because I know the target of where I'm going. So that would be where the privacy leaks. I mean, there's potentially, you can also receive Lightning and Fedimints as well as send Lightning and Fedimints. So a nice balance here is if your merchant happens to be sat in a Fedimint in the other end, then all the Lightning providers would ever see is that a payment has gone between two different yep. Fedimints, one that might have a thousand people in, one that's got a thousand people in. And all of a sudden you start to get very strong privacy on top of the Lightning network, even if that route between the two different things. Yeah. So I think to go back to the city analogy, it carries a lot of weight here because you can, if you imagine that, um, Bitcoin custody is places and then the roads are the, the lightning network. You know, sometimes you would be in your home and that's one place. And sometimes you would be in this city and that's another place. And sometimes you would be in a village. And you have, like, you can just move amongst these different places as you go. And so the way that this would look like from a, a privacy point of view is if somebody left Chicago and then went into, into New York and you said, okay, well, what we know is that a person left Chicago and went to New York. And you say, okay, well, which one? We say, oh, we don't know who it was. We just know one person left. One of the members of, yeah. <laughs> it's like million so at, at one scale, then it's, you get, then, then it, it leads to um, very good privacy guarantees. Mm -hmm. And it compensates for some of the privacy leaks that come from um, use of lightning. But one actually really interesting thing I've, I've just noticed from this conversation, which is really funny, is that... Um, we're, we're um, using each other's analogies. I'm, I'm using Pete's analogies, he's using mine. It's almost a bit like uh, Jerry Maguire and you complete me type thing happening here. <laughs> um, so that would have been my next question is like, so when I'm a user, basically I can use Lightning or Bitcoin to pay it into the Federation and I get the eCash tokens. I, I don't see that, right? It's just like then, what do I see in my wallet then? Is it then... Bitcoin or, or how is it called? Is it called my city token or? Um, yeah, you don't see that. And, and just like if you had a um, a wallet for an exchange and you receive um, Bitcoin into that wallet, you'll have a balance in Bitcoin. But it's actually uh, it's the exchange's own, effectively their own eCash in, in a way. So for simplicity, you just show it as this is your Bitcoin balance because at mm. any point. You can send it out over the Lightning Network or, or uh, over the Bitcoin Network. If you receive it on the Bitcoin main chain, um, i.e. directly, it will take a while before we show it, just from a security and point of view. We want to make sure there are no risks of rollbacks before we credit Okay, it. so basically my on-chain balance is also in the Fedi wallet, so I don't need another wallet for my on-chain balance. So do I see my on-chain balance when I've paid it out? or? So so again, I guess maybe if we go back to the uh, the concept of the shared UTXO, mm -hmm. so the all of the Bitcoin sits in the community multisig that's available there, and then the eCash tokens are effectively like kind of IOUs against that Bitcoin, they're claims on that Bitcoin that can then circulate amongst that community. 
So very much like a sort of free banking sort of model. That means much to the people in the audience, I'm not sure. So if you pay in the Bitcoin on-chain into that multi-sig wallet, once that, that confirms that transaction, then let's say it was uh, 10,000 sats that were paid in, what you might get is a, a 10,000 sat eCash token or two 5,000 sat eCash tokens, and that would then be displayed as your 10,000 sats inside your wallet. Now, you can do several things with that. You can hand back that, that eCash token and then redeem the Bitcoin on-chain. That's probably not what we expect to be the, the common thing for users because this is for you know, like a community banking sort of model. So what we'd expect for them is to transact. So it's more likely that the, the eCash tokens will move between users and between users to Lightning gateways who would then use their own Lightning balance to pay mm -hmm. the invoices. But all balances appear as one. Yes, understood. Yeah, I, think, so, yeah. I think I fought the wrong way. I fought then. So if I ever want to pay out my Bitcoin again, I would send it from Fedi to another Bitcoin yep. wallet. That's, yeah. Yes, or you, or you would um, well, pay, or, or, or you'll make a lightning no, transaction as well. Mm -hmm. So you'll pay a lightning invoice. So you make a lightning payment or you would, um, you would send it on chain. But to for most users, we, our expectation most mm -hmm. users would make the transactions on Lightning because it would be faster and cheaper. And also, most would receive payments on Lightning as well. Yeah. And only sort of larger users, for example, um, Lightning node operators will be the ones who are doing the majority of on-chain transactions in and out. So I think maybe on the, like the roads and um, places thing might help us here again is that if you imagine your Feddy Mint is your, like your small town over here, but you also have a house that's available and that's your, you know, your own Lightning wallet or your own Bitcoin wallet that you want to move to, you would pay out over Lightning back to that, that wallet. And now your Bitcoin is over here yeah. and you've reduced your Fediment balance. But in general, I would pay someone else if he, she is another federation over Fedi. Yes. But if this person is not in a federation... You still pay I, them, yeah. You still the, pay them from Fedi? Yeah, so the, ah. the, user, the, user experience, yeah. the user experience of using um, a Fedi... Fedi wallet, for example, um, will appear like you're using a Lightning wallet. Mm -hmm. So if you want to pay someone and that person is um, another member within your village, it will look like you're, it will look exactly the same as if you want to pay someone who is, uh, is on the Lightning network. And it will be exactly the same as someone who is um, also in a, a, a different federation as well. So no matter whether they're in a different federation, a different Fedimint federation, and you're paying over the Lightning Network, or they have their own, um, their own personal Lightning node and you, they can receive it directly, or they're on an exchange and they're an exchange user, or they're within your federation, within your village. From your point of view, the experience is exactly the same. It's as if you're, you're making a lightning payment. The, the app itself figures out which one it is and, and routes it differently. Cool. That's actually what Andreas Antonopoulos was talking about years ago, I think, mm. that one day we won't see anymore if we're sending on-chain or on lightning or on the future protocols we might see or layers. That's, that's exactly, well, it, well it, I, I, when you said that, it reminded me of him saying this. Um, but yes, that's exactly, that's exactly what it's doing. It, it, very often we see these statements of, 
prophetic statements of how the future would be on Bitcoin. You just mentioned one. There was another that was sent my way about Nick Zabo um, prophesying a future where we use Chamian mints and, 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 and so on. And then there's Hal Finney um, as well and the creation of these sort of Bitcoin banks, which was Cecil on chain. And it does seem that uh, Fedimint, Mint, um, in combination with the Lightning Network, all backed by the Bitcoin base layer, mm. sort of provide a, an answer to that in, the, in the, the most trust minimized way you can do. Yeah. Um, and I think what, what is the idea of who will be the audience that needs this solution the most? I mean, we're, we're targeting uh, communities in the global south. So maybe this is a, a good time. Yesterday, we, we, did, we put out a, a call to action. So you might have seen this come across on Twitter. So this would be, again, the 1st of September, if uh, anybody's listening. Um, this is a call to action for communities that are looking to hyper-Bitcoinize. So the approach that we want to take there is to actually onboard whole communities of people because... I think it's fair to say that like your experience of using money, money is a network effect. The more people around you you can get working on the same systems, the better. And we think this is a great way to sort of level the playing field for a lot of people that have been dealt a poor hand for what they have access to and their ability to bank. And I think as Obi's talked about a number of times, like there's in a regulated world, Even on top of Bitcoin, there are still issues with onboarding people into, say, centralized exchanges because of the economics of the, the situation, right? And then what you might want to be looking at is if we're going to onboard billions of people into Bitcoin, we need to do this in a way that allows people to do it quite permissionlessly. So Bitcoin natively allows you to have your own bank account by imagining a very large number, right? Mm -hmm. But again... We know that there are going to be scaling limits to that. So what something like Fedimint does, it allows you to gather enough people together to make that economical and then we can roll that out. So, yeah, sorry. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to add that it's ultimately, we believe this is a solution for the majority of people in the world. Um, and people will, and we've seen interest from all over the world for this. Um, and it could be from high net worths and corporates all the way through to um, working class and people anywhere in the world. It could be people from the global north and the global south. However, um, just from the point of view of focus and commitment, we want to start with um, people in places or in circumstances where the benefit of access to a money, a meritocratic money, is the most powerful. And for us, that means at the beginning, it's either people who are in the global south or are suffering under the yoke of authoritarian regimes and dictatorships. Um, so that's where we split our focus. So um, directly after this event we're at um, now um, in Riga, uh, I will be going to um, meet up with some of the most prolific activists and human rights defenders in the world to, to look at um, potential ways in which aid can be, um, some aid that goes to the global south can be potentially um, adjusted. So some element of it comes through Bitcoin, for example. 
that can only be done if there's a, a wallet that can accept that at scale. Um, and then the other side is, as Pete's saying, is from a bottom-up point of view, we're looking for some of the most motivated um, communities and community leaders to um, work with us um, to roll out initially the Feddy and Feddy and the Feddy Mint um, software and platform, so we can work with them to move them from wherever they are, from a financial point of view, to being at the the head of the queue, with the most advanced form of financial technology there is, with the most of, with most advanced systems and privacy and security. So they're not getting it last; they're getting it first, and we're going to work with them to hyper Bitcoinize. Yeah, so, you know, I'm very excited about that because that's exact, exactly <laughs> the point. The focus of my work is like bringing Bitcoin to those in, in, in the countries who need Bitcoin the most. And um, it also rings a bell in my ear yeah, when you speak about community and community banks because there's a long tradition of that in mm. sub-Saharan Africa, mm. for instance, like with Ubuntu, where the it's not like self-sovereignty, you know, the ego is the highest value. The highest value is the community. You, you share everything, you take care of your people. And uh, so I think that this is really a great solution for people who are living in very difficult circumstances because... From Bitcoin Ikasi, for instance, I know that the, the people who started using Lightning and, and Bitcoin, they now know nobody, nobody can take their money away anymore because they, they can self-custody. Um, but if it's easier to have like a collaborative shared custody, uh, then that's even better and easier for them because not everybody can afford a hardware wallet um, or... I mean, how, how easy is it, for example, if someone is already using Fidi and he or she is losing the phone or, or it gets corrupted or whatever, how easy is it to restore a wallet? That's one of the things that's quite exciting um, for us, especially for me, because one of the big reasons people weren't willing to self-custody in, in my time of running an exchange was their concern around how do they deal with the situation where they lose or they damage their their mobile phone or their hardware wallet or, whatever, or what have you. Um, so what happens in the event, in the case of uh, Fed Mint Federation, is imagine you have, back to this example, this village, and there's 10 guardians, and they're running this piece of software. Once they run it, they basically, they, they don't need to do anything else. They can just... You can just move on. But um, they know by face and the, between them the, the other members of the village and they've spent enough time with them to recognize them. So what happens is um, you download this app and it takes literally seconds to set up. You just enter the details of the federation and that's it, you're a member. You then start using it. Um, you create a backup of your, um, what's known as your private keys, the, the system that's needed to be able to know all of the balances that relate to you. Normally, that will involve you figuring out in this very um, um, uncomfortable way how you're going to back it up securely. But in this case, what we do is we take your key, we split it up, into different chunks 
or we call them shards, one for each guardian who's already, you know, has, has been identified as some of the most trusted people within your community. Mm -hmm. We then take those and your, and this all happens automatically with your, in your mobile app and, and the different chunks, the different shards are shared amongst the members of your community. And so n n none of the guardians have the information needed to be able to access your money, but they're still acting as a backup of, of your keys. Now, let's say several months go by and you lose your device or it gets damaged and you manage to get a new mobile phone. You install the app again, you rejoin the federation, and then you would click recover. What would happen is a message would be sent off to all the guardians and it will say this person, um, who they know, just then your name, because your name would have been used to tag, almost like a name tag in a cloakroom to tag the, the shard, the, 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 the chunk that they have. And it will say that this person is requesting their, their key back. They will then individually contact you and say, did you request this? And you would say yes or no. And if they said, if you said yes, then and you can convince or, um, a majority of them that you'd, you did, they would send back their shards and those could be used to reconstitute your key. Now, the good thing about this is if someone else came along in the village, they could try to do the same. But because these guardians know you by sight and they know you, they would have to convince a majority of them that they were you other than you, which is highly unlikely to happen. If you spent time with people, for, for example, if I was to pretend to be you, Anita, and I'd go to Pete and I'd say, look, Pete, as one of the guardians, mm. I'm Anita, can you, can you recover? It's unlikely that he would, because he knows the both of us. So you mean the, the user has to go to the guardian in person? Well, they have to go, they have to, they have to um, get on the, into a conversation with the guardian. So it could be over a video call or it could be in person. It depends. If it's mm -hmm. a village, you might meet up in person. Mm -hmm. If it's, if it's, because um, communities don't have to be located in the same place. It could be people from around the world. Just as long, it's more philosophically a community, as long as they know each mm -hmm. other. Mm -hmm. So it could be you get onto a WhatsApp call or whatever and you see each other. And just verify, yes. I understand. I think maybe this might be a good point to just suggest that there's one thing that maybe gets lost on some people is that Fedimint isn't one thing or there isn't a Fedimint. It's very much that there will be hundreds of thousands or millions of these Fedimints eventually. So there's lots of different implementations that could run slightly different versions of this sort of backup protocol where some it's in person, some it's over the phone. Sometimes there's maybe like a little bit more encryption built in if it's a different size of community. So you'll have maybe small communities that might be, for instance, I might run something for my, my mom, my dad, my brother's friends and things. And it's very, very loose and they trust me very strongly. But I might also be part of a, a broader, you know, just global Bitcoin community where, you know, I like to, to do some things with those guys. But it's not where I would store all of my, my long-term Bitcoin. So there's, there's very much different ways of approaching that. And it's a very flexible platform on which you can then layer these different modes of recovery. But I think... Obi mm -hmm. laid out the, the cloakroom mm -hmm. analogy is a good one. So yeah. from the point of the Guardian, like, yes, I might know that I own a shard of your backup, but I can't read it and I don't have all the pieces. So it becomes almost irrelevant information. I think there's nothing I can glean from that.
Mm. So one question regarding the software for the guardians. Do they have to run their computer then all the time or can they shut it off in, uh, yeah, in between? So they, for it to be part of the Federation, it needs to be on and running. Mm -hmm. Yes. However, um, if it's turned off, as long as the majority of them are on, then the Federation continues to run. So if you need to restart it, we have a power cut, but as long as the majority don't, it continues to run for the users. It's uninterrupted. Because, uh, but um, if, if a majority are off, then it would stop functioning. But once a majority come on, it will carry on where it mm -hmm. left off. But the fact that it's, it has this redundancy makes it a much more reliable experience than if you were doing it all yourself. But not everybody should turn off the computer at the same time, right? No. That's not a, that's not a good idea, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what I find also interesting is, so can I imagine the Fedi wallet then like a sort of a, yeah, the, I do peer-to-peer -peer, uh, sending money then, like in an in a, in a app, like WhatsApp or something. Is this something that I can imagine that way? Mm -hmm. um, I think you mean usage of the Fedi app, you mean? Yes, exactly. If we're, I'm a user and I want to send money to my family in Africa somewhere, how yeah. does that look like? I think you, you, that's a very, very good imagination. <laughs> um, you can imagine a scenario, for example, where you have the diaspora family in, in the UK, um, France and the USA, and then um, relatives back home, wherever that may be, um, Latin America or, or Southeast Asia or, or, um, or Africa, for example. Um, and it's still a community. Some of them are in the West. Some of them are in the global South. You could then, within the app, um, effectively have a transfer of value or money from, from relatives in the West back to their, their relatives at home. Those people may, for example, be good candidates to be guardians as well, because if they're already helping and taking on board on their on their shoulders to help their family back home, that will suggest that they're a certain type of character as person, and they will tend to also have a more reliable infrastructure of internet and and electricity to run to run the federation software, and they're probably already sending money back home to people, so their incentives to steal from the people they've just spent their whole life giving to seem very low. Yes, I think so too. Yeah, it's a great solution. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Ah, yeah, that's the next question. What is mm -hmm. the, the time plan? I mean, you're working on it as far as I know, but when do you think will be the first federations, like, um, and not test federations, but real federations, be able to use it? Um, so we've, on our site, we've stated that We're aiming for Q1 2023, um, and we're still very focused on that. So that's that's uh, we may see something before then, but um, that's our that's our focus. Mm. And one last question: um, Many wallets struggle with the fact that they don't have a business model. How is Fedi financed? Yeah. So the core idea is that the Fedi. Uh, well, Fedi Mints themselves, um, we are run by the community for the community. So we believe that the benefit for the community alone should be its own reward. And so our recommendation is for 
is not to be run in a profit-making way. People should run it for the community. And there are many also savings by pooling resources together on-chain, lightning transaction fees could be lower and so on and so forth. You, you don't. You get improved privacy, which you would have otherwise had to pay for as well, um, and so on and so forth. FEDI itself, the commercial organization, we are, we're creating what is going to be one and we hopefully the best FEDI Mint wallet out there. Um, and it's a system to allow you to interact and use FEDI really easily. To use the wallet, when you make a transaction, we will levy a very small um, few basis points um, fee on, on transactions. If it's, and that's to cover the cost of development of the software and also development of the education around the software, which, is, which we think is going to be a really powerful part where it's going to be partly within the app, but also partly on the ground as well. Um, and so there'll be a small fee for that, and that's how we plan to earn revenue. If people are very uncomfortable with the fees, we, we are looking to offer options for them to, because it is, at the end of the day, um, um, source-available code for them to adjust those, those fees. But that hopefully keeps us honest and makes sure our fees are reasonable. Mm. Uh, I mean, we've talked before a little bit, and I can remember, and um, that you also not only want to educate people within the app, but also in person, but also help them to earn satoshis, right? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I think one of the ways that we we think about this is that we're not necessarily trying to onboard people into a wallet so much as we what we really want to do is hyper Bitcoinize the community that's available there. So that kind of implies a certain level of economic activity, touch points with the apps, people actually keeping value in those apps and transacting amongst each other. So really what we're looking at is that like what's that model to to scale hyper Bitcoinization sort of aggressively over the next few years. And so how do we, you know, enter a community and help kickstart an entire economy and bring that community together and online. So that's very much a focus of, sort of what I'm doing at the moment. Mm. And um, maybe if I just sort of return to what we, we did yesterday. So we, we launched our campaign um, for community hyper-Bitcoinization. So if we go to the URL, fedi.xyz slash hyper, what we're looking for is, let me take a moment. The, you think about the old proverb that says, you know, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. So we have some you know, very audacious goals around hyper-Bitcoinization. So we're trying to go far. So in order to go far, we need to go together. So what does it mean to go together? Well, the going together is identifying, as we touched on earlier, the most motivated communities that are out there at the moment, and those community leaders with the passion to help us understand the correct way to get these communities kick-started. So what we're looking for at the moment is to identify as early as we can those communities so we can start to bring them into that whole design process so that we can ensure you know we're laser focused on solving the real problems that matter to those communities and then you know bitcoin and feddy and the feddy mints kind of get brought along for the ride because we're actually focused on producing economies inside these and that's a great point he's said um and and just to re-echo um we need these communities to help us help them. And from our point of view, what we want to do is put 
a lot of resource of our time and effort and focus, um, starting small in terms of the number of communities so we can be very, very focused, and eventually from those learnings, we expand beyond. But the end goal is we won't be successful unless they're successful. And our objective is to get them from being at the last, uh, on the, the last in line to being the first in line, having the most advanced form of money, the most advanced form of payment system, the most advanced form of custody, and then access to and education around how to use that to, for example, do things that are important to them. For example, receive money from abroad, from their diaspora, at a low cost when they want in an efficient way or potentially earn money from abroad, which they can then use immediately in their day-to-day life in their, local, uh, in their local systems to pay mobile phone fees or to pay rent or whatever it may be. So these are problems that people everywhere want to solve, but we're going to start with the people who have normally been the last to get those solved easily and simply, and they're now going to be the first. Very beautiful. Um, have we touched all, you think? Like, I, I mean, I know we can't touch, touch can't, everything, but I mean... We can't touch everything, but I think this was a good one to finish off, that um, um, ultimately it's about humans. It's about people. Um, and giving people a, everywhere a fair crack at the whip. So this is like the world's first meritocratic money, And we are working really hard um, to find the people who are motivated to work with us so that we can help them. And the way we're doing that is um, this project. We were looking for people to fill in this form. If they think they need, they, they would like us to come onto the ground and work with them to get them to be in one of the most advanced exemplars of, of what can be done anywhere in the world. And the website I really want to communicate that is fedi, F-E-D-I dot X-Y-Z slash hyper, H-Y-P-E-R. Okay, cool. I will put that in the show notes too. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Pete. Thank, Thank you. you, Obi. Thank It's you, always Anita. a pleasure talking you to, to you. And uh, yeah, I wish all the best, of course, for Fedi and Fedi Mint. And yeah, I'm looking into a great future, I think. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's it. Thanks for joining. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to my show at anita.link slash subscribe and recommend it to your friends. If you want to do a little bit more, you can donate at anita.link slash donate. Special thanks for supporting Bitcoin for Fairness go out to the Human Rights Foundation, Paxful, Leden and OKCoin. Music Late Truth by Audio Hertz. See you soon at the Anita Post Show.